you know, ideal world, unicorns, rainbows, anything possible. How do you make money on this blog? Um, and I said, well, you know, offline with personal shopping, I make a commission on the sales. So I, I make suggestions to customers about what they should buy or how to style their outfits. I mean, whatever they buy, the store pays me a commission. So if I could just do that online for the sales that I'm now driving online, um, then that would be the best case scenario. And he said, okay, well, what would this thing be called? And again, my, my very young mind there, um, just thought very literal. And I said, well, I think it would be reward style because if you have great taste, then people will buy the things that you're suggesting and you'll make money. So reward style. And we got on domain.com and saw that rewardstyle.com was available and we purchased the domain and, and, and truly started building from that point. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, who are the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 74 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, and on today's show, I welcome Amber Vens-Box, female billion-dollar tech founder of RewardStyle. So if you don't know Amber's story or reward style, then please continue to listen. This is one hell of a story um, that started when Amber met her then boyfriend, now husband, and she had a fashion blog. And the problem was she was unable to monetize that. Uh, Baxter was able to help her monetize that, which in turn led to the creation of RewardStyle, which is a platform that allows so-called influencers to make cash from their social media content. Since they started that seven years ago, over $1 billion, yes, that's billion, dollars in sales have been made to the so-called influencers, um, of which they're now number over 40,000. Um, in response to the exploding popularity of Instagram, she's since launched Like to Know It, which is an app that makes it possible for users to buy merchandise that their favorite Instagram influencers post. So when a shopper likes a picture on Instagram, they receive an email with information about where they can buy the item they liked. Uh, and since 2014, shoppers have purchased more than $250 million in merchandise via the service. So get ready for a really interesting podcast interview from a business that started with the two of them from their apartment back in 2011. Now numbers seven global offices, over 250 employees. I wanted to know how she done it. Let's start up.
Well, as long as I can remember, I've wanted to work in the fashion industry. And, you know, as an elementary school girl, I would call my best friend and tell her what to wear to school the next day so we could coordinate <laughs> on the playground. Yeah. Um, you know, and... In fifth grade, I was asked to leave math class because I was caught knitting and vending scarves on the back row of class. And then in middle school, I had this denim business where I would take vintage jeans and turn them into skirts. And by high school, I carried on a book of drawings with a clothing collection I had designed. And then college launched my own jewelry line. And um, I worked on all sides of industry, really. I've, I've been a retail buyer, a personal stylist. I went to school for PR. Um and so I've always known that I wanted to be in the industry, but I guess obviously for my story, I didn't really quite know where I was going to end up. Mm. Did, when you, I, did you assume you were going to go and work for one of the bigger fashion houses, for example, or when did the first kind of seeds of entrepreneurship get sown? Was, was your, your family background growing up um, quite entrepreneurial? You know, my dad always encouraged entrepreneurship in our family. And so um, I definitely credit my parents with, with seeding me um, with that idea. And so my mom was a stay-at-home mom with us, and she had always been great to um, really challenge us to be kind of creative and, and also just learning how to entertain ourselves. So I guess a unique childhood experience in that we actually, for most of my childhood, didn't have TVs in our house because my mom wanted us to just be doing things. Yeah. Um, and then my father always encouraged entrepreneurship. And so um, he had a, essentially a franchise business, but he always told us that if we wanted um, his lifestyle, which to him meant that he could come to our you know, baseball games or pick us up from school or, or take us to lunch, um, that we should consider starting our own businesses as well. And so that was seated um, with me at a very early age. And really, I think the earliest memory of entrepreneurship is maybe that fifth grade, you know, knitting and vending scarves on the back row of class. Um, yeah. you know, the, the denim business, I also charged my friends to do that. And then I had a, a, a <laughs> line. And so I've always had these little kind of unique businesses, um, never really a strategic business mind. If I'm going to be quite honest with you, I know, for example, the jewelry business, um, did phenomenally well, but it took me meeting my, my now husband just to turn that into a real business. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had a full-time job and then I was also running the jewelry line and I was actually making, you know, almost three times as much on the jewelry line as I was my full-time job. And wow. uh, no way. I, yeah, <laughs> but here was the thing um, for me, you know, that, that is something that had really grown organically and I was just excited. I saw the jewelry line always as a way for to buy beautiful clothing. Mm. You know, I always just wanted to be able to pay my own rent and wear beautiful clothes. And those were the two goals. And as the jewelry line, as the revenue grew, I guess I just had nicer and nicer clothing. And so it was Baxter who actually um, called out to me. He was like, why do you even have this other full-time job? And by the way, where's all this money going? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was kind of our first venture together as we actually ended up partnering to grow that that jewelry line. And that was the missing piece for me all along. Um, I, I loved fashion. I loved the creative industry. And honestly, I just loved being a happy girl that dressed well for events. And, um, Baxter's the one that really plugged into me from a, a tech and a entrepreneurship perspective. And his background is all in engineering and he was getting his MBA actually when we met. Okay. Um, and so he really applied kind of the strategy and taught me those ropes of how to truly grow a business um, and so reward style was, I think the first, you know, phenomenally successful business that we've had together. Mm. And in, so, and what age, just thinking like the school ages in the U S what age would you have been at, at fifth grade then when you first started? Um, I think around nine. 
Okay. I think it's just that last week, literally, I've got two girls and they brought home this little pack. And funnily enough, it was Virgin Money, Virgin's Bank, which which did make me laugh as well. Um, but but a little pack where they give, you know, every kid five pounds. And it's like, you know, start a, to start, try and start a business and, and make that money back and, and more. And um, my, my 11-year-old daughter um, has got like, I was like, well, that's brilliant. You know, I bring her to all my, the events that we run and she helps out at the front desk, checking people in and kind of exposing her to that. And her first comment was, but I don't want to be in a team. I want to do it all by myself. And that just <laughs> really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the dream, right? Is to, yeah. to have a business that does really well that you don't have to depend on anybody. I think that's one of the biggest challenges of business. So she's, um, you know, very tuned in to, to realize yeah. that that would be a challenge. And, and where did you guys meet? You and you and Baxter then? Was that when you were at um, uni in college at uh, SMU, wasn't it, I believe? You know, I was in my senior year of college, um, but we actually met through his aunt. I had worked at a retail store throughout college and was um, the retail buyer. And his aunt worked at the store and had always tried to introduce us. And, and by senior year, we kind of finally serendipitously ended up meeting um, and really have, have never separated since then. So we've been together a decade now. Okay. Okay. And and, and you said his background was more engineering um and yours was was fashion. Did the engineering um, scale up to to understanding tech, or was that something that you, you got your head around as well at the same time? You know, it's interesting. I think for us as founders, we're we're, we're very much yin and yang. And so Baxter's background, he went to school in San Diego at USD um, and was actually an electrical engineer. And then for the first many years of his professional career, he actually built. Um, medical products. And so his background was very much on the R&D side. And then we met, he had come back to Dallas and was going to grad school at SMU, which is where I had gone to undergrad. Um, and so he, he did he did definitely understand, in, um, you know, the engineering and tech side of the business. He was also doing tech investments at a fund when he moved back to Dallas. And so he understood really the financial side of, of the business. But where I come in is really more on the practical side. So as an influencer, um, I share a, a profile very similar to most of our clients, which is, um, you know, being a female, not having a technology or finance or strategy background, maybe no business degree. Um, not at the time I didn't have any sort of corporate or strategic experience. And so me being our customer gave our business a very specific point of view and a mission. And so we always created products that were specifically built for my persona. And so, I mean, our earliest website, I had actually drawn out on PowerPoint um, and just said, you know, I want to click here and then it does this. And I would sit at night with a designer who drew true wireframes and, and we would then transfer that to Baxter essentially for approval of like, does this make sense? Does this scale? <laughs> yeah. um, so kind of the, the layers of development. Um, but I think having that really, really simple mind, I mean, Baxter jokes today that I still can't set up a printer, which is true. <laughs> Love but, it. <laughs> you know, for any business though, having really simple printy products is really important. Um, and I think that that's a big piece of our success starting in 2011 was, was creating a technology that um, I think one of our clients here at, in the UK from Net-A-Porte called it um, dummy proof, which hmm. I, again was, I think a, a contributor to our success. Mm. And, and I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, but when it started um, with this business, you started with just the two of you and it was almost like in one of those kitchen table businesses, you started it from your apartment yourselves and no other employees at that stage. 
Oh, absolutely. So really kind of where this all started, if you even back up to 2010, mm. um, that spring I was 22 years old and I published this website, um, vinsedits.com. Yeah. And that was where I documented my personal styling work. And so I'd post three times a day, you know, an outfit post, a trend story, a sale find. And, um, you know, I found out that what I was doing was blogging and I really love sharing my work and point of view online. And I found it just so much more gratifying the work I was doing in store or with a single client each day as, as personal shopping. Um, and you know, with the blog, I got to share ideas with anyone who was interested in style photo shoots and learn to edit photos. Um, and I'm sorry, <laughs> I got a little bit off track. We remind me of your question. I got deep in. Yeah. So literally going back to, to Venn's edits, um, and as, as I believe you struggled to, to monetize that, you'd realized that what you were doing was, was blogging. Um, but how to then turn that into, into a business that actually, um, you know, paid the bills. Exactly. And so, and that, that was exactly what I needed to do. I, I really fell in love with blogging and it was the career that I had honestly always wanted. Um, and that I had applied for even several times. I'd always tried to work at the magazines in New York and, and never had any success there, you know, kind of getting in the door even as an intern. And so this, you know, blogging allowed me to actually create the career that I'd always wanted, but even on my own terms and in my own city. And Baxter saw that I had really fallen in love with blogging, but I still had the jewelry line and that's how I paid my bills. Um, but I really wanted to transition to being able to blog full time. And so we started looking around at ways that I could actually make money blogging. Um, and there was nothing that would, that would truly, you know, pay my bills. And honestly, at the time blogging was really a, a very odd thing to do socially. It wasn't widely accepted. It certainly wasn't something that the industry looked on as, um, you know, a respectable career choice or even a career choice at all. And so we were, you know, sitting in his apartment one afternoon and he said, you know, is, is blogging, this is something that you want to continue to do. And I explained how much I, I loved it and that I wished that I could. Um, and so he was like, well, I think I can help you come up with something. And so we truly went on a walk. We like took his dog, we walked down the street to Starbucks. Um, and we sat there and he was like, if you, you know, ideal world, unicorns, rainbows, anything possible, how do you make money on this blog? Um, and I said, well, you know, offline with personal shopping, I make a commission on the sales. So I, I make suggestions to customers about what they should buy or how to style their outfits. I mean, whatever they buy, the store pays me a commission. So if I could just do that online for the sales that I'm now driving online, um, then that would be the best case scenario. And he said, okay, well, what would this thing be called? And again, my, my very young mind there, um, just thought very literal. And I said, well, I think it would be reward style because if you have great taste, then people will buy the things that you're suggesting and you'll make money. So reward style. And we got on domain.com and saw that rewardstyle.com was available and we purchased the domain and, and, and truly started building from that point. Wow. Okay. And then well, obviously backtrack, but fast forward and you've got, um, would you say like, uh, 250 plus employees, seven different offices around the world. <laughs> we do. It's, it's incredible how it's grown. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, my, my goal with working in the fashion industry was very simple. I wanted to be able to, to pay my own bills and I wanted to have, you know, beautiful clothes. And I, you know, that's as far as my mind went when we started reward style was, wouldn't it be great if from this thing that I love, which is blogging, I could actually make money. And like you said today, you know, it's, 
grown phenomenally um, over the last seven years. This this month is actually our seventh birthday. Um, and you're right, we do have about 250 team members across those seven offices. And they're providing service to our clients in more than a dozen languages. Um, and it's honestly, it's really incredible just to see um, what has what has come of reward style. Obviously, we've worked very hard to get it there. But I think the most exciting part and why our team kind of comes to work every day is the people that we're powering. Because what's exciting about what we're doing is that, you know, like me, I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I had tried many different things and gotten closer on some than others to truly being able to really support myself and, and, and be a founder and a true entrepreneur. Um, but there was always something that I was lacking. And what Baxter brought to our relationship was that strategy and finance, um, you know, kind of background that actually allowed me to truly grow a business. And that's the same way that we plug into all of our clients, but we're able to do it through a platform and on a global scale. And so today, you know, we're powering the small businesses of 30,000 entrepreneurs across about a hundred countries. And so these are, these are creative, you know, artists, these are people who are spectacular photographers and social media experts. Um, they have a unique combination of a skill set that sets them apart, but without a platform um, that's a really a turnkey business solution for them, they wouldn't be able to, you know, support themselves and their families. And I think that's what's just really exciting is the way that this platform has been able to do that. And um, mm. that must be incredibly rewarding as well to know that all those people have built careers, uh, you know, and able to support families and take on employees themselves, um, all, all off the back of something you created only six, seven years ago. It's, it's really, really exciting. And I think it's, it's part of the time that we live in. You see that where this has happened in other industries, mm. um, for example, like in transportation, maybe is the first time we saw this where, you know, no, in the U S we have what's called Craigslist and, yep. you know, no one's going to put on Craigslist like, Hey, I have a car and I'm going to take you to the airport. If you want, just give me a call. Like that's not a real business. And, um, but you know, through a platform like an Uber, for example, you're, they're able to organize and really create a true business where they're earning revenue. And then you see the same thing through Airbnb. No one's going to put yeah. on a website like, Hey, come stay in my bedroom. But <laughs> all of a sudden now you have this inventory and this value that you can plug into a platform and make it a true business and actually have an investment portfolio, um, based on, Airbnb. And it's similar in our space in that you can absolutely be a blogger without reward style, but can you be successful and can it be a sustainable long-term business um, is really a different thing. And I think that's what motivates our team and how we've been able to attract such talent is just real alignment to that vision of how do we make monetizing influence as easy as turning a key um, for influencers and um, for brands. And our team wakes up every day really thinking about that mission. And, and as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's invitation only. Is that correct? To it is. And so, yeah. you know, coming from the tech space, I know you'll understand this in your audience as well, that you can almost think of reward style as an incubator. And, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is we take applications from influencers who are, um, you know, have built or are building, you know, their businesses of influence. And we look at those applications and we see who is it that's investable for reward style. So who, if we bring them on, can we monetize their business today and actually also grow it in a meaningful way for them and for us? And so that's how we really view the application process. We've had about 250,000 applications um, since we launched, and we've brought on about 30,000 influencers to date across 100 countries. Um, and 
you know, we know that we're successful in, in what we're doing there because we've seen that the average influencer in 2012 um, on their WordStyle platform versus the average influencer today, they earn four times as much. Um, and so it's incredible the way we've been able to monetize what they have, but also really be their true business and technology and strategic partner and help them to grow their businesses. Um, and so we're working with true professionals um, in the influence space. And, and is there, um, I'm sure there must be, but like a criteria, like a minimum threshold that you would look at someone, is it, is it a number of followers? Is it who they've already worked with? You know, we, we approach it a little bit differently and it's because of what we've learned over the years. So one of our top five influencers worldwide, meaning that this person drives, um, within the top five people driving the most sales on a global basis, we actually declined twice. Um, and so once we accepted this person to the platform and, and saw how meaningful they were, we really started to rethink, um, our application process. And we've also since built, um, you know, a fairly sizable, um, business intelligence team. And so what they've done is kind of comb through the da data, of what, um, you know, kind of the, that profile is of a successful influencer. And then we've actually, um, turned that into sort of like an AI program. And so yeah, whenever yeah. Our influencers apply, we, um, we rank those, those influencers and then run that, yeah, kind of run that through a system. And then they're either accepted or declined, um, you know, based on the team's then recommendation of those guys. And so really what we've seen is number of followers is not a direct correlation at all to the ability of the influencer to drive sales. Mm. Um, in fact, an anecdote for you, the influencer that I'm talking about that's in the top five that was declined twice mm. actually only has 30,000 Instagram followers. So okay. while 30,000 is, is more than the average person, certainly, um, mm -hmm. when you're talking about a professional influencer, it's definitely on the smaller side. And this is someone who's, like I said, you know, driving a, a meaningful transition online for so many of our retailers. Yeah. And, and, and thinking, the, you know, with the, the way things are moving so quickly that there are only going to be more and more people wanting to become influ I mean I've even seen that at my kids schools when you're uh, um, doing like a careers fair which I did you know just as one of the parents um, and the children actually saying you know what do you want to be when you grow up and there's a seven-year-old telling me they want to be a youtuber or a, or a blogger and you, you go back seven years ago and that wouldn't have even been in the in the in the vocabulary of anybody no not at all it's you know, I wanted to be an editor. That's what I always grew up being. And one of my teachers told me that if I, I would, you know, always read the articles of, find, you know, find an author that I liked, read her articles, keep up with her, try and communicate with her via email. Cause that's all we had at the time. Um, and that, you know, maybe I could get in and be her intern and then I could grow into an editor. And obviously, you know, there's, there's only so many publications in the world. There's only so many, even intern spots for the, for an editor. And so it, it, it was such a closed um, community, but today, it really is something where we have all the tools in our pocket. So we now have, you know, the mobile phone is all you need to create content. We have these incredible distribution platforms that have reality built in. And I think the, re the really third and key thing that you need in order for this to be a career is obviously a, a source of monetization. And that's what reward style added to the market. And we've seen over the last seven years, really the, the rise of the influencer. Um, and it's, you know, it, it continues to be pushed forward by tailwinds in the market. And so, you know, you just look at consumer behavior and last year consumers spent on average five hours on their mobile phones and they spend 90% of that time inside of aggregated content channels. Um, this year, the number is up to about six hours on their phone. And really? so that's wow. really, yeah. you know, it's 
It's where we're spending our time. And and on the opposite side of monetization is obviously who's paying for this. Mm. Um, And brands are, and it's, you know, you fish where the fish are. And so there's been um, just a lot of tailwinds for our business. And we've also just been hustling really hard to build out a platform that, you know, is smart, helps to improve the economic success of our clients, it returns time back to them, and it helps them to grow their exposure and amplify their reach. And and you focused a lot of your efforts, as I understand it, on Instagram, um, launching your um, Like to Know It app in the last, what, 18 months? Is that right? So we launched the app. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a okay. little over a year ago. Um, and, you know, what's interesting with Like to Know It, we we have always um, been a platform that's that's agnostic to where the influencer wants to publish. And so we started with blogs in 2011. And then by 2012, Pinterest became an interesting source of traffic and sales. Um, and then 2013, a really big shift happened. And that's when Facebook bought Instagram. And this was the first time that we had a mobile publishing platform, but also the first time we had what's called a closed mobile publishing platform, which means there was no linking out. Um, so at the time that, that really provided a, a large opportunity for our business and also a big challenge. And because we wanted our influencers to be able to monetize wherever they published. Um, and so at the time we initially created like to know it as a way for consumers to shop social media images. And the first year that we created that product, it was actually, it was built into Instagram. So if you were a registered like to know it user, you could simply like um, a photo on Instagram and get an email to your inbox. It was essentially a mini blog post. I had that, that image and the ready to shop images. So the first year it drove $10 million in sales, um, which was, you know, not insignificant, but compared to the, to the volume of sales on our platform, quite small. Um, it then grew to 50 million and then 150 million. And in 2016, we actually bought a small technology company out of New York um, that had a screenshot technology they had created and patented. And with that, um, we built our the Like to Know It app. And so Like to Know It has now expanded and is its own destination. Um, it's now the largest contextual shopping app in the world. And it features original content from um, you know influencers across fashion, fitness, family, home, and about 18 vertical verticals there in the app. It's all 100% ready to shop. And that's, you know, it, it really offered a unique and differentiated product in the market. We know consumers love to go to aggregated content channels. And we've, we have seen a shift away from the traditional blog because of course now people are on their mobile phones. They're yeah. not in blog URLs. Um, we've seen that across every industry. They're going to places where they can find it all in one place. And now social media has become a place for friends and family. And you see the platforms really announcing publicly that that is the shift and the transition that they're looking to, to make. Um, and with Like to Know It, this is a destination for people who want to shop. And so with the Like to Know It app, our consumers are finding their people and curating their life across all of their levels of interest. And today, um, the vast majority of, of sales and revenue actually come from directly from content in the app. Okay. And do you, how far do you think um, subject wise you can go? Cause I didn't realize fitness as well. You said, so instead of just focusing on fashion, you think you can move the goalposts a little bit, make it a bit more broader. We do. We, you know, we've, done that, um, in our, in our core business. And so like to know it is a channel that is, it's our consumer property, but it's also an incremental place for our influencers to publish. So they're still publishing those that have blogs are publishing across their blogs. Um, for our creators in the last two years, 
Um, actually, 70% of our applications last year from influencers were mobile-only influencers and like to know what actually is their blog. And so they're not going back and, and creating that blog. So things are changing there. But like to know it is an incremental place for our historic customer. Um, so while they're still publishing to their blog, their YouTube, their Instagram, they also now have like to know it for the, the consumer who really just wants to shop um, their point of view. And we started in fashion in 2011 really because the, the product was built for me and I was interested in fashion as a young girl. And then as all of a sudden I could pay myself with my reward style salary, I moved into an apartment. And so home became really interesting. And I started blogging about all the things that I was buying for my house and then, you know, getting married and starting to think about fitness and beauty. And then now that I have a family, um, reward style has really grown up with me and so many of our clients. And so, um, you know, home is actually our second largest category worldwide. Um, you know, beauty, fitness, um, and, and family are right there close behind. And so we have now, we have 4,500 retailers um, around the world. So it's, it's everyone from your net-a-porter to matches to Amazon and Etsy and um, really all different types of business. And we've actually just this year started working with um, consumer packaged goods as well. So your alcohol brands, your um, okay. food as well. So really we want... Um, for our influencers to be able to talk about whatever it is that's of interest to them. So whereas used to, it was a little bit more siloed or verticalized where someone who talked about fashion is just talking about fashion. We've actually seen that some of our top home influencers are those that started in fashion. They still are showing their outfits, but they're also wearing their outfits inside of their homes, for example. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it grows up as, as you grow up and your, 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 your kids grow up and, and likewise, um, your users grow up, the, the people who started as bloggers on the, on the website four, five, six years, seven years ago as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think, it, you know, what started as, as a fashion product is now a kind of a whatever you're into product. And so we, you know, it's interesting when you look in the Like to Know It app, of course, your, your own feed is unique to you. And when I look at, uh, you know, Ben, who's our VP of product, his app is all, you know, dudes and sports and, and what they're wearing, what they're doing. And mine is very much women and children and living rooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's grown to serve a much larger audience. Okay, cool. And I know you, you're going to be incredibly busy uh, on your, on your stay in London. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring things to a close for you. And I, I just wanted to touch on, um, something that I'm sure you've talked about many times, but, um, being able to be, uh, a working mum with, with, with two children um, and then working with your boyfriend, now husband, um, how have you managed to make that work? And that comes from somebody whose um, wife and, and I have, have always tried not to work together. And then for, for whatever reason, in the last couple of weeks, um, she started doing some work for me to try and um, streamline things, our end. And I just thought, I'm going to ask your <laughs> advice whilst I've got you on here. Oh, absolutely. I, I have, I have a fair amount. Um, so, you know, we, we were dating when we started the company and I think part of our attraction to each other actually initially was, you know, talking about business and the things, you know, I was a burgeoning entrepreneur and he was someone who could help me. And so our relationship for as long as I can remember has always um, had an element of business to it. Um, I will say starting reward style within the first year, um, I actually really thought long and hard about, you know, essentially closing the business down. Um, and that was because I saw that our relationship was becoming very much business centric. And I was working 24 hours a day building this company and, you know, he was going to school. He also had a job and then was working reward style at night. And I remember having a conversation with him saying like, 
I wanted to be with you and I wanted to do something with you. And I care much more about our relationship than I do about building a business. And I feel like it's falling apart. Um, and you know, for whatever, however he did it, he kind of pacified me for, for long enough, um, for us to continue on, but definitely it was tumultuous there for several years. And what I have found is really just setting boundaries around your relationship in your work time. It's so hard in, in any business today, and especially every business is digital, which means it's a 24 hour day job. Um, and so we've just set really practical boundaries around, for example, when we get in the car to go to work, um, you can talk about business while you're in the car, while you're at work, when you're on the way home. But once you get home, uh, anything that you really want to talk about that's work related, you have to schedule an appointment with the person the next week or write them an email that they can read later. Um, yeah. so that, you know, our conversations aren't always kind of centered around that. We also work, we used to work at the same desk, like literally on the same desk. <laughs> I don't know if I can cope um, with that. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, it was awful. He would listen to my phone calls and then be, you know, G chatting me all the things that I said wrong. Um, <laughs> that did not go well, but I think yeah, it, it's kind of, it's separating your life a bit, but honestly, I really am so grateful that we work together now because the job is quite demanding, but on trips like this, where we get to go to London and work together, like this is a week where I would have not seen him and so uh, cool so you're both over here i said didn't know. we are yeah we yeah. travel together more and more lately especially we like to see our global team several times a year and so that means you know with seven offices we are constantly traveling and so it's nice to get to do that together and mm. you know now that we have two and a half kids one due in september oh um, i didn't know brilliant yeah. congratulations it's also kind of adult time yeah <laughs> you know to, to have a flight but you know by yourself a little bit we have two small children so we have a two and a half year old, a one year old, and then one due this fall. Um, hmm. and so definitely in a, a transitional period in our life. And it's nice to have some time with, with just us at the dinner table. Yeah. And do you, um, do you wait till September to find out what sex the baby's going to be given that you've got two no, boys? No, I couldn't wait at all. I, it's a little girl. So we have hey. the, our second little girl. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I, but I, I think it's so important. This is a time where we've been, you know, as a culture talking so much about kind of like mental health and, and work life balance. And that's something that I think you really has to be taken seriously is, you know, not putting your family or your life on hold because of the joy that a career will bring you. Because while certainly I think everyone wants to be happy in your career, that's not what's going to ultimately um, provide for your happiness. And so for us, we've, um, really enjoyed being able to build our family as we build our business and, and not putting other things on hold. Um, so I would encourage others to do the same. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. I could talk to you for hours, but I know you're going to be incredibly busy. So thank you so much for your time. Alex, thank you so much for having me. And um, I look forward to meeting you soon around London. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Amber. Um, here in London on a trip away from her hometown in Dallas. So, um, as always, uh, a number of amazing takeaways. Um, for me, initially, first one, I think, was how strongly she felt about following your passion, but at the same time, being open, open-minded and flexible as to how you can monetize that later in life. So um, look at how quickly technology has changed and how we've talked about that in, in the interview and how when she was starting out, she assumed her job would be applying for jobs, for example, to, to fashion editors to be able to express her opinions 
um, and show what she was wearing, what she liked about fashion. Um, and instead, through a circuitous route, has, um, has led her to still following her passion, but being able to provide a living for tens of thousands of people in the, in the same industry by providing this amazing platform um, for them to monetize. So um, falling off the back of that is, is building a business around the life that you want and then reverse engineering that. So um, Amber's passion's clearly based around family, around fashion, around travel. Um, and she's able now to, to visit the UK with her husband, stay here for a while whilst working on the business um, is an amazing way to, to, to reverse engineer how you want your life to be. So trying to think about the lifestyle that you want and then working out how you can get there. Um, and lastly, something that was particularly interesting to me and, and probably many others of you out there as well is, is working um, with your partners, be that boyfriends, girlfriends, um, husbands and wives. So thinking and making very clear boundaries as to what constitutes talk about work and when that stops and the conversation is then based around family, leisure time, etc. And um, totally get Amber's point. That's one of the reasons why her and her husband found each other attractive back then was that they were talking about business and it's the same for many of you how are you gonna how are you gonna be able to conquer the world together um and you know confidence and um all of those things that come towards building a business um it can be very attractive qualities so um being able to keep that alive whilst you're working with someone is key so that was, I've just realized I'm on a spate of female entrepreneurs now um, after last week's, uh, this week's, and then next week's also is going to be female entrepreneurs. So it's just the way it's worked out and it's all off the back of hosting um, our Inspiring Women's Entrepreneurs event um, it, at RHQ in Bournemouth, which was a sellout, which was amazing. And now we're looking forward to our, our next event. So just go to either our Facebook page, Startup U Limited, or go to our um, Eventbrite page, which is our profile page for Startup U, and check out our upcoming events. We've got Bournemouth, June the 28th, and we've got London, July the 12th, and we've also got a hands-on workshop in between them on July the 4th uh, here in Bournemouth, um, all about having, having building a brand for your startup. Um, so all of our talks are based around branding, how to build a knockout brand, um, be those uh, our meetups, our networking events, and then our workshop as well. So get yourself on over and make sure you say hi um, once you're there as well. Um, and until next week, thanks for listening. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon.
If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it, just do it to enter.